You are listening to the You Are Techie podcast, episode number 31. Welcome to the You Are Techie podcast, where it's all about growing in your techiness so you can find the tech job of your dreams. And now your host, technology learning coach, Ellen Toomey. This podcast is sponsored by our all-new course, What Tech Job is Right for Me. Visit us at yourtechie.com slash start to check out our new course and find what tech job is right for you. Hello and welcome. Good to be with you today on the You Are Techie podcast. Today we are talking about working remotely. And this is a topic that comes up a lot of times as I am encouraging our coaching members to find their dream jobs. We really, really want to lay out exactly what it is that we're looking for. And that requires that we put in some thought into exactly the ideal environment we want to be in. Now, you might be thinking, well, what's the point of that if you're not even going to ever find that ideal job? Well, first of all, I would disagree with it. But second of all, I would say you're compromising all over the place if you don't even define what it is that you want. And this is this working remotely. It's kind of this vague concept. And I want to break it down in a few different ways so that you can really understand what factors are going to help you make that decision appropriately. And I would, I'm, I'm going to submit to you that even if you're already working remotely or you're already working in an office, this is something, this assessment of yourself is something you should do on a routine basis. So I think it's going to be helpful really regardless of what situation you're in, whether you're staying at home with your kids right now and you're ready to return to the workforce or you're in the workforce and you don't like your current setup or you're in the workforce and you like the way you're set up, but you just, you, you would be open to maybe considering a change, whether that's to go into the office or to go remotely. So we're going to talk about, is remote work right for you? Is it something you really want? And we're also going to talk about what kinds of jobs are more conducive to remote work, Just certainly a really interesting topic generally. Um, but definitely that that is a topic that's evolving and changing as I'm recording this in the midst of shelter in place quarantine for COVID-19. So we're also going to take a look at what does it look like to work remotely successfully? Like what, is, what does that entail? Um, because it sounds good, you know, like let's go to work in our PJs, but there are a lot of elements that you need to, to structure. I think it actually takes a lot of discipline to work remotely. Wrap up by talking about where can you actually go to find remote work? And I think this is a really interesting topic that will be very helpful to a number of you. So let's dive in. Is remote work right for you? And what that really means is, is that what you want? And I want you to avoid labeling yourself as like, I'm a remote person or I'm really an in-office person. Because I know like when my kids were young, I found it very hard to be away from them. Um, but I have like when they were babies and when they were 
uh, I was nursing them or they were still in diapers. I just really struggled to be able to manage that. Now, my kids were really close in age, so that was definitely a factor, too, is like lots of them had were, were really dependent on me um, as the caretaker. But I have friends who are like, you know, I really like eating my lunch without someone hanging on me, and the baby phase is not my favorite. I'm really, I love... Um, you know, doing activities with my kids and kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm more of someone who wants to spend time with them at the older stages. So when my kids were young, that was a main driver for me to want to work remotely was that I had young children. Um, also there's another factor. I grew up in Detroit and even though I've lived in Chicago and Washington DC, so I know that Detroit traffic is actually really good. I always commuted when I lived there. I always commuted about 30 minutes and I hated it. I don't like driving, which is like a cardinal sin of, some, of a Detroiter. But I just don't like it. It's not my favorite thing. I didn't like being in a car, but I can see where the importance of working remotely before was very centered around my kids. And now as I've, as they've gotten older, like my oldest is a teenager and my youngest is in school full time when, when not quarantined, <laughs> I, I, that isn't quite the motivation. So if I were at home and not interacting with people or not on Zoom calls all the time, I think that would really be a problem for me. I think that I, I would maybe uh, factor into that loneliness category of being kind of isolated around there. It, it can be kind of uncomfortable to be home alone if your kids are older and they're kind of off, so off uh, uh, doing their own thing, they're in school or they've moved on to college or whatever. So I think that it's a factor to really consider if you are, uh, do you have a lot of meetings? Do you have a lot of Zoom calls? Are you interacting with people? I think that that can be um, and does that bother you if you don't? Do you feel do you feel lonely if you're or isolated? Uh, being a mom, we're so used to having people around. It's almost like culture shock when it's too quiet. And I think you can develop that sense of appreciation for the quiet. But those are two balancing two things you want to kind of balance. So again, I do work remotely, and I have for wow, I have since I've returned to the workforce, so for over seven years. But I, it really wouldn't be mandatory for me at this point. That isn't something that I would say. Yeah, I definitely want to work remotely. We're at another time in my life that absolutely was true for me. So this is why I think it really makes sense to ask yourself, hey, at least maybe once a year, probably even once a quarter, is this working from home working for me? Or do I want to work remotely? Does remote work sound appealing to me? And I'm going to dive into why it might or might not. But I just want to, especially in light of recent events where remote work is really opening up, like we don't, it's not an option for us to go into the office. So people are just figuring it out. And there, some people are going to say, hey, I really like this. I really like the way this works. I so I think that this is a perfect time to just be thinking about all of the ramifications and all of the aspects of remote work that can be um, effective for us or not effective for us. 
Now, before we get into kind of diving into the questions for you to evaluate whether it's right for you or not, I do want to address this topic of freelance versus corporate um, because it's an, it's an important discussion. In corporate, you can work remotely in a few different instances. And I, I think that these are not something that I thought about when I first, I just wanted to work remotely for my family. So it didn't really enter into my mind like, hey, different corporate settings would have different impacts on how I worked. So let me run through these with you in the event that they're helpful to you. Because you could be in a corporate setting where it's a fully distributed team, okay? Everybody works remotely who's on the team. And I think that that is one type of environment. You really have a remote culture. But you know what's different is where you don't have a fully distributed distributed team. You have a hybrid, so you have some people in the office and then some people remotely. Or let's say that is a that remote work you've decided that is a necessity for you. Maybe you're the only one working remotely on a team. I really want you to think about the impact that that situation is going to have on you in your career because not that you can't do it, not that it's not okay, but it will require you, if you want to be successful, to engage more fully. You might have to be more active on Slack. I wouldn't recommend that for the whole day, but I mean, you might have to make an effort and say, okay, this morning I'm going to check in with this person and find out how they're doing and find out about their life and see how their kids are and really spend time building those relationships both on your team and then in your in your extended network outside of your network. So you want to be reaching out to other people, going to meetups once shelter in place is lifted, going to virtual meetups in the meantime, and then bringing those ideas back to your team and saying, here's how I'm, uh, you know, adding value, constantly adding value and bringing um, more ideas and different ideas across your your kind of tech skills and tech knowledge because you're going to need to make that extra effort because other people are benefiting from just being bumping into people in the hallways. So you really have to you don't have to be any type of any you don't have to be any certain type of person, but I do think it's important to acknowledge that that will be something that you're going to want to hold yourself accountable to if you want to really maximize the value that you add that you add to your team and your organization. You really are going to want to um, have a proactive networking and relationship building, more than networking, a relationship building aspect to that work. Now, if you're working as a freelancer, so you're going to work with different companies, I think you have a different challenge. Okay, I'm going to put aside the challenge of finding the work and kind of the sales process. That'll just be its own thing. But I'm just talking about the remote aspect of being a freelancer. If you don't intentionally build a peer group, which I recommend that you do, you're kind of on an island and you're just servicing your clients. And what's going to happen is, um, you know, if you have a great client, that could work out really well. But when you have a challenging client or one where maybe they don't see eye to eye, I know as a UX designer, there's a lot of education that takes place because everyone is going to have an opinion on the designs, but the UX design process literally is about extracting what the user's perspective is. And you're always trying to educate people on the user's perspective. And that's kind of the hurdle there. 
There are other hurdles if you're in development, right? It might be uh, your story estimation, how much time something's gonna take you. You're always navigating these challenges, but if you're only working with your client, I think you're gonna find that you don't have the support system. You're gonna feel very much on an island. You're not gonna have kind of the peer support to say, hey, I tried this with my client, it didn't work. Would you have any suggestions? I think you're gonna wanna take a peer group and build that out so you don't feel very isolated. Um, where if you're in a, in a team environment or on a corporate, you kind of have that built in. And even though you want to do extra networking, you have the, that kind of group built in there. Okay, you want to work remotely. What does that mean? Do you want to be a freelancer? Do you want to work in corporate? Do you want to work in a fully distributed team? Do you want to work for a company that's just everyone is, is all over and all over the globe, which is another factor, right? So time zones can be a factor if you work in a global environment. I think um, that those are definitely aspects that I would say it makes sense to write down and to add to your dream job description to really fine tune what would be an ideal situation for you. And then if you're not in that ideal situation, you can see how some of these other suggestions of networking and peer groups, you can kind of build out a more ideal situation if you can't, if you have to, maybe you're not in a fully, you wanted a fully distributed, but can't find that. You can, you can um, find ways to uh, adjust and tweak and compensate for kind of that lack of ideal situation. So let's dive into really is, is remote work right for you? What, what do you need to do to even evaluate that? Let me, let me give you some questions to ask yourself that I think are going to really help you. Now, this first one I'm a little bit hesitant on because I don't really like this this question, but it, it, there's an aspect of it that's important. Are you a self-starter? See, I think anyone can be a self-starter. I think anyone can really decide that that's what they want to be. And I think if you're driven, if you have a big enough why, you will be a self-starter. And those people who are like, I'm not motivated, haven't really found out why they're getting up in the morning and why they love the work they do. Uh, because if you, so I would actually say, if you don't qualify yourself as a self-starter, what I would do is take the time to go through, you can do seven layers deep of the why practice. I know Simon Sinek has a why book. I would go through and really find out why you're doing what you're doing, the work that you're doing, what's important to you. Like in tech, uh, creating great products uh, that people love to use and that were designed for, um, for someone like me, that was really motivating to me when I had my UX design consultancy. And now obviously uh, bringing women to work is a motivation that I use in my work now at Eurotechie. So there are, but there, everyone has work. Everyone in, in technology, if you're like, well, I just code every day. That's not very motivating. What, what about being a developer do you love? And it could be about writing the code, about creating products, about solving problems, anything. Any of those are great reasons to get you out of bed, but you really, if you, don't have that kind of internal motivating factor for the job you're pursuing, I think that's an important piece to put together first. And so that's where I say, are you a self-starter? I think if you have that piece in place, you can be a self-starter. Another question to ask is, are you able to put distractions out of your mind? Uh, do you have a system for doing that? See, for me, meh, I don't love messes, but I can definitely handle a lot. I can handle a high threshold, right? Not everybody can. That doesn't mean that you have to have your house spick and span before you can start working, but do you have a system for dealing with that? Because it, as moms, we're always, we've always got dishes, laundry, and meals. Come on. We've always got those things. And 
are you able to turn your focus off of that and really focus on your work or, or put that into a specific time segment and time bucket? Do you know how to kind of segment those two things? Because if you're constantly, your mind is constantly flipping back and forth, you're going to be using a, a lot of cognitive load and that's going to slow down your productivity. Then you're going to think you're not good at something or you aren't doing it right. And that's because you're not, you're just not giving the mental attention to what you need to give time to. But do you have a separate place where you can work? Okay. So I'm in our office right now. And I say our office because my husband also works remotely. Now he travels. So he's not at home every single day. And, and, but he, his schedule varies. He might be at home one day a week. He might be at home five days a week. It just depends on the week. Uh, with COVID, he is home every day. So we have one office that closes, has a closed door. And then I have an open air office, which works fine for me because he's gone a few days. I can usually come into the office when I need to. Well, the open air office doesn't work when the kids are doing virtual schooling, right? Because I've got, I have four. It's just, it's too open. It doesn't work as a workspace. So what do we do? Well, we took that desk and we put it up in my seven-year-old's room. We just pushed the desk a little bit away from the wall and then put the screen up. And then that, the back of, of the, like behind the camera is a wall. So his dirty underpants, of which he constantly leaves them on the floor, are just out of view. And then the way we do it is whoever is recording a podcast or has a big meeting gets the office, the downstairs office, and we kind of do it per week. How many meetings do you have per week? Um, I think it's important to be creative with this idea, right? What Do you have a separate place to work? You could just have a blank wall behind you and that'll work out just fine. There are lots of options, but I do think that you need to um, have a place that you you know you're taking your computer, you're sitting down, and when you go to that space, that's where you're working. Okay, so is remote work right for you? Uh, I kind of touched on this next question a little bit, but like, do you does the thought of being alone make you feel lonely or excited? And those are extremes. I would say I'm in the middle. It used to make me so, so excited <laughs> because I was literally never alone. I'm like, alone, what would that be like? And But now where I've, after I've worked for a few years and had some alone time, it still doesn't make me feel lonely. But again, part of that is like the Zoom calls and I'm constantly talking to people. So then I think, well, what if I wasn't doing that? What if I was just um, servicing maybe you know, one really intensive client and I was just doing UX design all day, you know, how would I feel about that now? And I think that those, we can have kind of um, different thoughts again about this as we move through. But I want you to just ask yourself that question. Just sit there and think about, does the thought of being alone make me feel lonely or excited? Uh, or something else, like what is that feeling that it makes you feel? That's an important thing to explore as you are looking at your remote work. All right. um, but do you see yourself as a great communicator? And I think that we want to think about, are you a great written communicator? And then where does your mind go? Did it go to 10th grade English? Because if it did, please skip that. Please, that is not what we're talking about. We're not talking about paragraph structure or even the best um, grammar. We're not talking about any of those things. 
When we talk about communication and when we talk about written communication, can you clearly explain what you're doing, what your opinions are, what your thoughts are? And if you're like, oh my gosh, that's an Achilles heel for me, I totally cannot do that, I'm going to give you another question because there are alternatives in this you know, digital remote work era that we're in. Could, could you use, do you communicate well over video um, or over voice? Would you consider using the recording of your voice? You could record it or do it live to communicate with people. Are you willing to do that to be conducive to communicate ideas? Because the communication of your ideas, and this is for sure underdone in tech, it's so important. It's so absolutely essential to the work, and it's just not really talked about enough. The only person who I know does a really good job with this is Jason Freed of Basecamp, and he talks about how important um, writing is for people in Basecamp. And Yes, Jason um, and, and his co-founder, David Hanemeyer Hansen, have written several books, but they were working on their writing well, like long before that. And it's not, it's not about, I wouldn't say like they're the best writers I've ever heard or read. It's more about they clearly understand why they are making a decision in their product. And, and really, I would say that's, that's what matters in tech. Okay, why are you making this decision? Do you have the right rationale? Are you looking at the right factors to base your decision off of? And that that really kind of boils it down in a nutshell. Can because that is the communication that needs to take place in a in a remote environment when you are in tech. And um, coincidentally or not, uh, Basecamp has a fully distributed team. They also have an office that you can go into when you want. But they, they have built a remote culture. Okay, they one of the books is called Remote. <laughs> so so uh, that's, that's one you can pick up. It's a great book. But I think that considering how you will communicate is an important factor in your remote work to deciding if it's right for you, if it's really going to be something that you want to do. Okay, so we are moving on to what kinds of jobs are more or less conducive to remote work. And I'm just gonna start off by saying, don't depend on the job posting to tell you if that job allows for remote work or not. If the job posting says this is a fully on-site position we are not considering remote, okay, you can believe them. If it says anything other than that, you should understand that they might be willing to consider remote work. So I want you to be careful before you're like, oh, nope, that's not that's not a good remote position. There absolutely are remote positions and you can find them. So any of these that I'm going to list are going to be available in remote work. The question is, which ones are, are you going to find more of in remote work? So that's where I'm going to dive in here. So the first job is developer. And for this one, I'm considering full stack or front end development. So UI uh, design developer, if you were a combo, not just a UI UX designer, but I'm talking about uh, a UI developer or front end developer, full stack developer. I'm kind of looking at all of those. And I would say that if you're looking in tech and you want remote work, that is going to be your number one best option as far as remote work is concerned. Most developers have that type of opportunity available to them. Uh, depending on where they are in their career. Now, 
can all the new people start off remote? Maybe that's less of a, of a kind of a, a, an ultimate win, but absolutely developer development is very conducive to remote work. Okay, let me talk to you about the other end. What would be the least conducive to remote work? And for this one, I'm gonna say Scrum Master. So for those of you who know Agile, you'll know the term Scrum Master. I do know of remote Scrum Masters. So again, those positions are available. I think that the best way to find that work is to look for a fully distributed team. So if everybody's working remotely and you need a Scrum Master, that can absolutely um, be a good way to go. Not the only way to go, but a good way to go. And the reason that you're going to find Scrum Master to be less conducive to remote work is just being on site with the people as the Scrum Master, you really need to build the connections and build, do both the project planning and kind of the the roadmap planning along with the teamwork, individual support and teamwork support, really from a psychological perspective, really almost as a coach, because you need to be making sure that you're directing people in the right path and that you're getting them back on track and that you're just helping them be the most successful person they can be and the most successful the team can be. So that can sometimes require, um, it's, it can be easier in a face-to-face -face environment. So everything kind of from here on out is going to be more in the middle. But let me tell you something that is kind of right in the middle as far as most or least conducive to remote work, and that would be UX designer. There are many teams that want their UX designer on site, and you're dealing with so many stakeholders that you can um, sometimes be more effective communicating your design ideas, both to, you know, justifications to management and the product manager of why the designs came through this way and what the research says, and then also your designs to the product team and to the developers to say, here's what it's gonna look like and here's how uh, the experience should really be. And then also, um, but you're always gonna be talking to users as well. So that is a little bit trickier. Your users aren't always gonna come into your office uh, for user for usability testing or user testing. I would say less and less frequently that's the case. Um, sometimes you can get them to do that, but that would be an aspect of remote work for UX designers. And of course, I, I worked as a freelance UX designer for many years, so I know that it's absolutely possible, um, but I don't think it's as easy to find UX design freelance work or remote work corporate, which I also did as a UX designer. I think that is possible. It's doable, but I don't think it's as easy as developer. Okay, let's go through a few more. Um, digital marketing, oh, this one is so big. So I'm just gonna say it just totally runs the gamut, but you can absolutely be, if you are a freelance digital marketing manager and you're running campaigns for people, you can totally do that remotely. So there's lots of remote work in digital marketing, but of course, um, depending on the size of the marketing team and who you're servicing, kind of the bigger corporate clients, the more you get into that stuff, the more you're gonna to wanna to be on site for that work. I would say social media manager, totally remote, very common to be remote, uh, that's a huge one. And also kind of the quickest uptick to just get into tech, because you can definitely go like from zero to social, manage, social media manager in a short amount of time and then level up to digital marketing, kind of expand that role. And, and that's a great kind of quick path for those people who are like, yeah, coding is not my thing. I want to be far away from that. And if you're not passionate about product development, that's a way to go. Okay, this next one is um, very varied as well, like the digital marketing, and that's security. I'll say security analysts, lots of security positions. 
it's tricky because sometimes for security reasons, it can be easier to be on site, uh, to be in one location. But of course, we have VPNs and we have different remote capabilities. And it's funny because as common as it is for security to be remote or to be on site, I know one of the biggest companies in the triangle area here, Cisco, they have a very remote culture, very remote. They have an office here and, and they have uh, just kind of inherent in their culture. So it's a corporate culture that has that has um, remote in their culture, which means many, many people work remotely. There's a good chance of remote work and there's a lot of security work there. So kind of knowing those ins and outs can be helpful. Okay, moving on, QA uh, or QA analyst, quality assurance an analyst, I would say that's very similar to developers. And I would also say that if your developers are on site, you're probably on site. And if your developers are remote, you're probably remote. So I'd say that that's pretty similar there. And, and the um, second to last one is instructional design. So you're creating learning experiences. A lot of technical skills required in there. Uh, coding not necessarily, not, coding not needed. Uh, there are some coding uh, components that you could use, much like UX design. You don't have to be a developer. You don't have to code. Um, but there are ways that you can get into that. But you can certainly get into instructional design without knowing any code. And I would say that is very, very um, highly conducive to remote work. And I would say conducive to remote work, non-coding, and a high starting salary that's going to be another one to consider. So a lot of people who are considering UX design, you might also consider instructional design. And then, um, and that were, that one is very split corporate freelance. You, you could find probably about even amount of jobs for both of those. This one is really conducive to freelance, and that is a semi-custom web design developer. Really what I'm talking about here is a WordPress developer. So you're basically going to be a freelancer. It's very rare that you get hired as a full-time WordPress developer, maybe not, maybe not totally rare, but it's so much more common to see freelance. So that one I think is also very conducive to remote work. Okay. Now, what does it look like to be successful as you have remote work in your, in your life and to be a successfully uh, remote worker? Let's look at a few things. The first thing I would say is that you really need to have a game plan for getting work done. I would also say that having that system for networking both with your coworkers and your expanded network is extremely important. We talked about dedicated space and then set work hours. So when are you going to start work and when are you going to stop work? I do not recommend the laptop on the nightstand that you roll out of bed and open it up. You're setting yourself up for failure if you don't kind of get ready and get dressed or don't get dressed, it's up to you. Uh, but getting ready for work in a way that you know you're starting, you're starting your work. And for me, you know, that's, I always get a cup of coffee when I, that's when I know, that's when I know work is starting with my, right after breakfast, I start, I start with my, uh, my work and I got my cup of coffee there. So, but I do think that there's a freedom in this discipline of I'm going to put a meeting on my calendar for this specific time and this is what I'm going to be doing. I think it's important to do that at the beginning of the week and to really uh, schedule your time that way. I use Monday hour one Brooke Castillo's method, but any, any scheduling method that you use where you're really putting that time on your calendar and this is how long I'm going to spend and then holding yourself accountable to that time and then moving on, not just allowing other people to kind of fill up your time. You just say yes to every meeting. You're not going to actually get your work done. So that's an important part of uh, successful remote work. 
So I would say that first meeting on your calendar should be with yourself and don't try to jump into like a 7.30 or an 8 a.m. meeting with someone. You'll find you're not really productive. I also don't think 4 p.m. meetings are that productive, just an FYI. Um, and then just kind of have a specific ending time. And I'll be really honest with you that my ending time, I work for um, a segment of time every evening, but I segment it. It's right after bedtime. So I cut my day a little short. I spend more time with my kids and then I work for um, a certain amount of time at night, depends on the night, how much I work. And so I both have a specific set of ending time to my day, but but see, I don't work between those times. I don't like, oh, let me just go check this or check that. And on those times when I'm not true to that, I can see my productivity slip. And so I really try to hold myself accountable. So that having those calendar appointments can really be helpful with that. But having a specific ending time. Whatever your schedule is, I think if you're working and you're reasonable, and I think that people really respect that. And they, they're they not going to be judging you because you, you have children and you need to feed them. Like everyone understands that. I think oftentimes we're kind of nervous and scared to um, really communicate that. All right, let's wrap up here with where do you find remote work? I know this was so hard for me when I would like do the Indeed death scroll during nap time. So Indeed is, is great, but it is an all-inclusive one. So um, that's not one of the ones I'm going to name. I'm going to name Power to Fly. And this started off in a in the tech sector, so it is very tech heavy, but it's not only tech jobs, um, but it's still the majority tech jobs, I would say. They are all remote, 100% remote. What is so cool about Power to Fly, they are, this is for like really high capacity capability women, it's, it's designed for women. And so it's what are those remote jobs that I can be super um, successful in my career and really high achieving. But there are also jobs where you can are more, I don't want to say entry level, but lower level that you only need two to five years of experience. But I think it's a great platform to really help us see that high quality work is available remotely. So that's why I don't, I don't listen to people who are like, no, I can't find a job. If you're not, you're probably not looking in the right place. And Power to Fly is a great place to look. Okay, so that's all remote. This next platform um, that I'm going to talk about is not all remote, but it's called The Mom Project, themomproject.com. I had some lovely ladies on the podcast from The Mom Project, so uh, really happy to have Colleen and Margot on. I hope you heard that episode, and they, uh, if not, go check it out. The Mom Project is companies and organizations who are already know you're a mom and they want to hire you. So there's an element of flexibility. It's not a guaranteed remote position and it's not a guaranteed tech, but you are raising the uh, chance of finding that intersection by going to that platform. And you're just taking out that question of like, do I need to explain myself? How do I explain the gap? Okay. So I think that's a great one. If you are not familiar with it, that's just themomproject.com. If you are interested in freelance work, I still find this one tough, so I'm gonna go with Upwork. I think that's the one I'm gonna recommend. Um, if you have a better one, I'd love to hear it. I think I think you can find good work on Upwork. And if you're new to freelance, my recommendation is just start with lower rates. Um, to, if you're like, oh, I can't ever compete with these people, just start with a lower rate and then every project raise the rate $5 and you'll be up to a really great salary in no time and you'll have the experience to back it up. So another freelance one that's mostly focused on marketing, but because there's so much intersection in tech and because digital marketing is very technical, I love this one, 
We are Rosie. It's W-E-A-R-E-R-O-S-I-E.com. Totally remote freelance work in marketing. I think that's a great one to check out. I've got two more recommendations for you. They're not, they are platforms, but they're kind of the common ones. So on Indeed, I want you to post your resume and the status that you're looking for work, you will get people calling you. If you haven't done that, I would say you're not, unless you just don't want those people headhunting you, then you aren't really putting yourself out there quite the way that you can. Same goes for this next thing. Update your LinkedIn profile with the job status of currently looking for opportunities in dot, 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 and then be really specific and keep it short. And it's totally fine to do that, even if you're open to other opportunities. It's totally fine to like name one specific area like UX designer or um, social media manager, and then it's okay if you're open to other ideas because they will still... That doesn't mean you're closing yourself off. It just means you're opening yourself up and you maybe have other um, talents that you can that you can offer them. I still highly recommend that. So those are the ways that you can find remote work. So if you're interested in remote work works for you, I hope that this has been helpful in helping you ascertain that and for you to learn. Maybe you want to re-listen to this, you know, once a quarter or once a year to say, hey, this is for me, or maybe I'm shifting where I am in my life. You know, we can kind of ebb and flow with what it means for us in remote work. But thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed this topic. I hope you did too. Take care. Hey, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to sign up for the UR Techie email list. Imagine being in the tech job of your dreams. Join me to get the strategies, training, and never-ending support to get hired. Sign up at URTechie.com. That's Y-O-U-A-R-E-T-E-C-H-Y.com. I'll see you next time.